On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, we cover the All-Star Game finalists, two guys at every position, and who we would pick to start the All-Star Game. We debate if batting 400 could actually win Luis Arise, the NL MVP. And then we take a look at the standings in each division and the wildcard races as we head towards the halfway point of the season. Which teams do you think are going to keep momentum in the second half? Find out our picks right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What is going on ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 102. Alex and Eric coming to you. It is Monday, June 26th. AJ, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. You know, it's a nice uh, Monday here. Just ready for another week of baseball. You know, maybe not the best weekend for our team, but, you know, we're not going to we're not going to spend all our time talking about the Angels scoring 25 runs and then still losing a series. Yes, that was the highlight of our weekend. Uh, The run differential was was great excellent but the uh overall series results were not uh they were very ugly uh which brings me to my one big question alex on the side of ugly what do you think of these pittsburgh pirates city connects yeah fresh no i i see a picture right now of mccutcheon wearing it and i i thought i had to bring that up first on the podcast i personally just think that they keep I don't know if they're trying too hard or what the deal is, but I mean, PGH. I, the PGH makes no sense. I get that, you know, Pittsburgh has ends with GH, but like, I feel like Pitt is very common, you know, I, and I don't know, like. I, I maybe like, like I, Steel City in like cursive would have been a little better, like something that would have been like. There's just a lot, right? There's like, just a lot they could have done. And like the, yeah. the, 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 the yellow black is very hard to mess up. Mm-hmm. I would have tried to do something that like harkens back to like the old like black and yellow pinstripe that'd be fun like doesn't have to be exactly like that but just something yes. that kind of looks like that or maybe is that on the sleeves or i just would have gotten creative i think th- those ones kind of remind the pgh kind of reminds me of like the g on the giants where yes. it's just kind of like it's like the a clouds it's a, it's a new design you know it's not like a throwback to anything and then i don't really know i don't know it just it just it's just not not a big vibe there travis so, some of these city connects have gone very good and, and and very well some have just gone horribly wrong yeah and all, all the best ones it's like there's kind of like it feels like a real like either color wise or style wise like it really pops with like the style of the team like i think the the marlins one being like red and like like teal and stuff that's pretty yep. cool the angels having uh like the sand color that's pretty cool i i think even um, since cincinnati's that black with red that sure. says Cincy's pretty cool, especially what they wore this past weekend. Alex, they they took it to the Atlanta Braves and they wore it, I think, Friday night. That's when L.A. De, De La Cruz had his cycle. Uh, I know we can briefly get into that, but again, we're just we're covering we're covering baseball fashion right now. And and some teams just dropping the ball. They're slacking. And so, uh, yeah, I thought I'd ask that question first. That came up on my uh, on the first feed I see on MLB.com's page. Thought I'd ask your opinion. But today we're going to be talking a lot about the latest updates in terms of the all-star votes who's in so far 
who's made it to the next phase or the next round, what we think those results may be. So we'll get right into that, Alex. Um, phase one ended last Thursday. I think it was June 22nd. And everything I know of, they just selected one player from each league. The player that got the most votes from each league uh, automatically is starting in the lineup uh, pending, of course, health, if they can stay healthy to the all-star break. But uh, the two guys that are automatically already in are, of course, no surprise. And these two guys, I would say, are leading uh, pretty favorably in the uh, MVP voting for both leagues, I would say. Uh, Shohei Otani for the American League and Ronald Acuna Jr. for the National League. Both of those guys are uh, safe. They are going to be locked into the team, uh, both National and American League. Uh, so now it leaves uh, a bigger window for uh, more players, of course, to be selected. The next deadline will be this upcoming Thursday. I think that's June 29th, I believe. And uh, that's when you can uh, fans can vote from here on out to uh, to this Thursday and, and, and get the next best players in to the uh, into the All-Star game. But what, what do you make so far of both those guys, Acuna and uh, Otani? Obviously deserving. Um probably the easy probably like the go-to choice if you had to just pick um i think if i had to predict who'd be the biggest vote getters i would guess otani maybe judge could have taken over for otani if he was healthy the whole time but him missing time and otani just uh raking the last couple weeks i mean pretty much the whole month of june it made the choice kind of uh easy about who was going to get the most votes in the american league and then acuna in the national league makes a lot of sense i mean if you told me like Corbin Carroll or something like that, maybe I could see it. But Atlanta has such a big fan base that like, there was just a 100% chance that he was going to be a finalist. And, and him having the most overall makes a lot of sense. It does. And uh, like we mentioned, I think last episode or a previous one, Atlanta, for some reason, I mean, there, there's not a team close by to the city of Atlanta in terms of major leagues. So they have such a huge fan base of, uh, of geographic uh, you know, when I talk geographically of the United States, they have, I mean, I think they have like six or seven different states that are probably rooting for the Atlanta Braves. So that's why most times Braves are going to get a, a high percentage of votes or guys that are playing in big cities like LA, Chicago, or New York. Those guys will get a lot of votes as well. But Alex, let's jump into the phase two of the voting. This, of course, like I mentioned, ends on Thursday, June 29th at let's see at about 12 o'clock at noon eastern so 9 a.m pacific on thursday morning uh for the west coast but we'll take it position by position there's only two players per position that you can vote for um so it really is narrowed down i will say there are some guys that are left out of these quote-unquote top two at every position i think me and you would agree there is a handful of players that are probably left out that we would want to include in but this is what I, I guess the fans kind of just wanted. They they narrowed it down to the top two, and that's what you got to vote on. But let's start with the first base position, Alex. Uh, we're looking at Yandy Diaz from the Tampa Bay Rays and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the Toronto Blue Jays. That's the American League. And then on the National League side, we have Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers and Matt Olson of, again, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, let's start at the American League. Diaz or Guerrero, who do you see? Who would you want? Um, for me, it's easily Diaz. Uh, Yandy Diaz has um, just been a total all-star this whole first half of the season here. He was one of the best hitters in the game for the first about month and a half, two months or so. Or so. Um, still up there. If you look at the stats that they present on the website when you're voting for these uh, positions, 
Diaz has the superior average, uh, an extra home run, and then an OPS that's over 100 points better than Guerrero Jr. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe there's some sort of defensive case against Diaz, but Guerrero's not good at defense either. So it's pretty easy for me um, on that front. Um, I also, I mean, I'll say this, Travis, quickly. Like, there is so much Blue Jays representation. And I'm there sure, is. you know, we'll talk about that more as we go through the positions, but... There's, a, there's other guys who I would honestly prefer to see here over Guerrero Jr. I mean, I like Vladdy a lot, but an 807 OPS with, you know, not great defense is not really the season that I'm sure he's hoping he would have. I think he has high expectations for himself and is looking at other American League first basemen. I'm not saying these guys are definitely better, but if the fan base was the same size, I could see a guy like Nate Lowe getting a bit more consideration I mean, honestly, Travis, Ryan Noda has a much better uh, WRC plus than uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, and then there's a handful of other guys who are kind of hitting the ball well and have better. Uh, some guys just have better WAR than Guerrero Jr. Straight up. Um, One guy that came to mind that's been playing some first base is a guy like even Anthony Santander of the Orioles, uh, switch hitter, and uh, I think he's been crushing the ball as of late. So. Uh, he plays, of course, outfield and first base, so there might be some confusion there. But you're right; there, I think there, there is quite, quite a lot of players that you can consider to be replacing a guy like Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Um, what I'll quickly say, Alex, is I, I think Vladdy will take it. You? <laughs> I, I, I think that he'll win the popular vote and will probably be the starting first baseman just because. Uh, do, he's people, have, do, do people not look at the stats that they give you right there? <laughs> They're gonna, I, yeah, exactly. No, it, it's funny because I think a couple of years ago they didn't have stats, and now they put just kind of the the basic, you know, yeah. average home runs, RBIs, OPS, and Yandy's leading in almost all of them except for RBIs. But for me, I just feel like that Vladdy has that popularity uh, among amongst yes. other, uh, you know international talents and also with with having canada on his back i think he'll get a lot of votes whereas tampa we all know is is just like oakland it's a small market team uh you gotta have a a good majority to go with a guy like yandi but we'll see who knows um going over to the nl side alex uh freeman or olsen who do you who would you like to see uh represent national league yeah um who would I like to see? Yeah. Um, I, I really like Matt Olson. I really like his game. Uh, he just tied Shohei at 25 home runs. He's been super hot as of late. But if I'm going with the logical pick, it has to be Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, 946 OPS is superior to Olsen. Um, the batting average is way better. Not going to have the same amount of power, but I think Freeman is just one of the best pure hitters in baseball in terms of, you know, average on base and slugging all being very balanced and just being, uh, you know, pretty much elite at all. Um, has to be Freeman for me. Um, are you going to agree with that? Or are you going to go Olsen? I, I, I see I did this vote earlier and I picked Olsen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just for me. I, I like the 25 home runs. I liked what Olsen brings to the plate. Freddie Freeman just makes way more sense. I would, I would definitely agree. The OPS is higher and, uh, batting average is all higher there. So, um, he's a more conventional uh, hitter than Matt Olson. Matt Olson's going to strike out a lot and then also, of course, hit a lot of home runs. Uh, some people may like that. Some people may not like that. But uh, I went with Matt Olson for me. I, I think he's just been a he's been a he's been a stud uh, for the most part of the season so far. I think the guy has an opportunity to, you know, even hit 50 home runs this year, or at least he's on pace for that. So uh, I went Olson. But if somebody said Freeman's the better first baseman, I would probably have to agree with that and there's a kind of a uh, interesting thing going on where if, if you try to filter out like 
other good first baseman and who else could be considered in this yeah. conversation. Like Goldschmidt actually has a better WRC plus and better Fangraphs war than Olsen, but like by barely. So, but, he, but it's just so funny that crazy. Yeah. It's funny that we saw what Goldschmidt did last year. So this year feels like a big step back. So he's not getting that same kind of consideration, yeah. you know? Yep. And then another name, Travis is like Lamont Wade jr. He is like a platoon hitter, right? Mm-hmm. He's just, the, he, he's a lefty that mashes the ball. Um, for San Francisco, but his numbers are really good offensively, but he only plays like, I mean, he has like a hundred, what's the number here? He has like, yeah, like he has over 50 fewer plate appearances than Olsen. So how much does that kind of factor into your assessment? So exactly, um, the, the platoon players also kind of throw a funny wrench into things. Um, Alonzo, uh, 24 homers as well, but you know, it, it, I, I, I almost, I'm trying to almost say that I feel like the finalist shouldn't just be a top two, maybe yeah. go a top three or something. Cause there's a lot of fun names. I feel like that, um, can still make the all-star team of course, but you know, there's just other guys I'd like to see, um, get compared with yep. in this, in this top, the top group in the final ballot. But, um, yeah, I think we, we, we have a good agreement on like, you know, Olsen is a really fun player. Freeman is. Um, one of the best hitters in baseball right now. So those two being the top two, you know, no big problem there. Yeah, yeah, but it's a surprise. No Goldschmidt on that uh, on that list. You would have thought it'd be a gimme, you know, beginning of the season, just how good he was last year. But moving to second base, Alex, uh, surprising top two in the American League. Uh, Marcus Simeon, no surprise there. Uh, we've stated it over the last couple of months. He's been on our all MLB team. He's one of the best second basemen in the bigs. He is one of the uh, finalists at second base. But then you got Blue Jay, again, another Toronto Blue Jay. And I wonder if just Canada has just been really doing their work in this voting. But Whit Merrifield for the uh, second finalist of the second base spot in the American League. Uh, he has a slight edge on the batting average, but only two home runs, 29 RBIs, and a 723 OPS. That's uh, that's much lower than what Simeon's provided this year. So I'll start with you. I, I know what you're going to pick, uh, but what do you make so far of, of that second base spot? I think it's an easy one for Simeon to win. Yeah, Simeon has to win this, Travis. Uh, it'd be really disappointing if he did not, I'd just say, because I mean, he has over double the Fangraphs war. Uh, I think he's probably a better defender. He's obviously a better hitter. Uh, all the offensive numbers are better. I mean, batting average and on base are actually a slight edge to uh, Merrifield, but Mer- Merrifield's such a just kind of lack of power hitter. He has two home runs on the year. Uh, not Just not a power threat whatsoever. Um, Semyon does have a higher walk percentage and hits for more power and plays a better glove and i mean what does steal bags but so does Semyon yep. at seven steals so i mean i could see some biased fans trying to convince themselves about merrifield but i, I don't see it at all personally and and Travis, like i've said in the past in the previous position there's plenty of guys i would honestly prefer to see <laughs> yes. on this ballot than merrifield i mean i'll be honest the american league second base spot is kind of shallow just because yep. altuve had that injury and he hasn't really caught up to these other guys in terms of like their production overall um, like if you look at Altuve's um, war, it's still below one because he's only played 26 games this season. So I kind of get it. And a lot of other guys have underperformed. Yeah, Andres um, Jimenez, Jimenez on the is, Guardians. Jimenez, uh, Brandon Lau, uh, amongst other guys, are not off to a hot start. Mc- Zach McKinstry on Detroit had a very hot start and has really cooled off. So he's out of the mix as well. The only uh, real name, Travis, that I think firmly i would have above merrifield would be brandon jury on the angels 
Um, he has played around the diamond a bit. He's played some first base, maybe even some outfield, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he does have a 120 WRC plus. It's actually better than Semyon. Um, and what's what's Drury at for home runs? Drury is at 13 home runs. Okay, yeah. Um, he's kind of he's kind of been a unique hitter this situation. It's a lot of balls in play, not a lot of walks, but the power um, and the ability to hit the ball. Um, into the gap has been big he's been a big extra base guy so the slugging is almost at 500 which is higher than Semyon and it's a lot higher than Merrifield Um, I would still have Semyon as my choice but honestly if I was just being completely looking at the numbers I would be leaning Drury over Merrifield Um, Drury also has um, a defensive edge according to uh, defensive stats on Fangraphs. so and 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 he probably gets dinged a bit because he plays first base as well, which is going to be like less viable than second base. So um, long story short, I'm not, you know, Toronto, Travis, those fans. Yep. I guess they just uh, know how to vote in the, in the preliminary <laughs> stage. But, yes. Um, Semyon's my pick. Uh, I assume you're going to agree. Easily Semyon on this one. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, the next spot for the National League side, second base side, um, you know, it seems pretty easy, but it also could be pretty tough. You know, you have... Luis Arias, who is currently right now, his stats on LB.com at batting, have him batting at 399. So just one point shy of 400, but he's had a magical season, a 944 OPS. Uh, has really surprised everyone. He, he should win the spot at second base, but his counterpart, uh, Ozzy Albies, he's got 18 home runs. He is the second highest home run. Uh, total out of all infielders right now, Alex. I mean, only Matt Olson, his teammate, has more home runs out of all infielders on this list. So that's what's really impressive. I mean, for a second base spot, really providing that thump. But uh, for me, I, I voted Arias. I think Arias should get the spot. Uh, he's had a magical first half. It would really be disappointing if he does not uh, get a start on this all-star team. But what do you think, Albies or Arias? Yeah, I'm going to go Arias. Um, for me... I always go strictly by the numbers and try to avoid the narrative. But the narrative with Arise chasing 400, it means something. Yep. It means yep. something. And we'll talk more about that later in the episode. But um, it definitely almost, I would say, any sort of tie or close race, you're going to give the, the nudge to the guy who's chasing a historic season. Um, also, looking at uh, the position as a whole, Travis National League, feels pretty deep. Like, yes. Albies was not going to be a bad pick. But um, Thyro Estrada is having a really above average year, has better um, average and better on base than Albies. Albies a bit more pop. I like how you mentioned the 18 home runs for Albies. That's like a lot more than I think anyone would have guessed if they weren't um, following the Braves and kind of checking up on the stats. But Cattell Marte has been doing a similar job for Arizona playing second base. Steals bags like Albies does, has power, 14 home runs. Marte is kind of like Albies in my opinion. I would probably lean Marte over Albies if I had to choose. I mean, Marte actually has a better average and on base and slugging. So the bat definitely favors Marte, but Marte is probably going to be a bit of a worse glove uh, but both steel bags, you know, there's an upside to both, I believe. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've always been pretty high on Marte. Just he hits the ball, he crushes the ball, and he has a you know decent eye, uh, more walks than than Albies does. But Travis, there's just there's guys across across the board here that um, feel like they should be in the race here. Like Donovan has good uh, batting average stats and good on base. 
Um, you can go down the list. Stotts improved offensively. Um, you know, the list goes on. But National League second base for me has to be a rise for the for the batting average and and just the hitting as a whole was the best of anyone at the position. Yep. Um, so I would go with him. Moving to third base, Alex. Again, we go to another uh, in the American League. We have another Rangers Blue Jays uh, battle going on. So Matt Chapman for the Blue Jays is one of the finalists, and Josh Young for the Rangers is the next and final finalist. Um, I'll just say I went young. I think young is a fun and exciting rookie. Uh, he's got the numbers to prove it. All the numbers are better than Chapman. And I want to see this young guy represent the third base spot. I, I will say again, a very weird third base season we are having. Uh, there are a lot of big names I am not seeing on this finalist right now, which is again, very, very surprising, but I went young. Who do you got? Who would you go third base for the American league? Travis, I would probably, I mean, I'm not sure which way I would go with this. I I, I guess, (laughs) I guess I will go ahead and say, I will go ahead and say Matt Chapman. Okay. Um, it's really close for me, but I'm really upset about these two choices, Travis. <laughs> um, that's kind of why I was I was struggling to pick a choice is because my choice personally, I mean, I'm looking at a guy, Travis, who has um, 12 home runs. He okay. has six stolen bases, which is more than Chapman or Young. He has fewer strikeouts than Chapman or Young. He walks more than Young. He has a better average on base and slugging than Chapman or Young. He has a better defensive rating on fan graphs than Chapman or Young and the best fan graphs worth the position. I'm talking about, of course, Jose Ramirez. He's the guy who, Travis, it feels like every single year we're considering him one of the best at the position, but he kind of somehow keeps going under the radar every year. And right now he's batting he's batting 293 with a 358 on base, over a 500 slugging, you know, 12 home runs, six steals, walking more than he's striking out. He's having a phenomenal season with above average defense. He's leading the position in war. He's getting absolutely no buzz, no button, right? No buzz yeah, at all yeah, across yeah. Like, like about anything. And so it, it continues to be criminal. You know, Travis, I saw something on Twitter today. Uh, I forget who posted it, but it was about like active players that could be hall of famers. Yes. And they included, um, Arenado who mm-hmm. I think deserves to be there, yep. but they did not include Jose Ramirez and Jose Ramirez is like right behind him in career war with fewer games played. Like there's no reason Jose shouldn't be considered one of the best players in the game. Um, so that's my ramble, Travis. I guess I will pick Chapman between those finalists. Mm-hmm. The bats are about the same Chapman. I guess I'll give a defensive nod and I also give a nod to how hot he was at the beginning of the year and plus, I don't think he's ever started an All Star game that I can remember. I, no, I, I mean Devers and Ramirez have controlled that spot for so long, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a I, good time for to give him a shot. You know, true. Young true. is a young guy who also deserves a lot of consideration um, with how he's hitting the ball right now. But I'll give the edge to Chapman. Okay, um, between the two. Okay, okay. Uh, third base now again, it's interesting. We don't have Machado on this finalist. Uh, it, two common names we hear, of course, at the third base spot, but I would say they're they're both having awful years. Uh, Nolan Arenado and Austin Riley are the two finalists. Both guys have an OPS below 800, which is just not what they're used to doing. And, you know, home runs aren't very high. Ribbies aren't very high. Uh, the batting average is below a 270. So, again, I, I don't know really what to make of this third base spot because it's just it's. 
I, 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 I know, I actually, I don't know, but I, I have a feeling Arenado is going to win it just because it's Arenado. He has the name, even though Riley does have the support with just a huge fan base. But um, it, again, it, it just feels like kind of just a, it's just an honorable mention kind of year at the third base spot. I'm not really too impressed with these guys, but what do you make so far? I mean, again, we can go back to even the, the American League side. It's just a weird year at third base. Yeah, Charles, we agree. It's a very weird year. Don't love either name being the finalist. I get why they are the finalist. Arenado, like you said, has got the name recognition. Riley has also the name the name recognition, but also just that big fan base behind him. I who so you said you think Nato will win? I think Nato will win. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I think he has. I mean, I, I think coast to coast, everybody kind of knows his name and like fair. He has all of the West Coast because he's from the West Coast. And, and, and actually, and, every yeah. stat is higher here listed. Yeah, but yeah. by barely, but everything is higher. So I could see that going Nato's way. Um, Travis, the the, the, <laughs> the the trend continues of of guys I'd rather see. Yes, you know. Yep. I never thought I'd be saying this, but J.D. Davis is hitting the ball way better than either of these guys yep. halfway through the year. Jaimer Candelario is actually hitting the ball quite well um, for the Nationals. There's just tons of NL third basemen who I get that they're not the sexy pick. I get why they didn't get tons of votes, but Ryan McMahon is hitting the ball pretty well. He is in Coors, but he still has um, you know 12 homers, and he's just doing pretty solid overall. A great glove for them. We saw him, Travis, make web gems against yes. the Angels this yep. weekend. Uh, and then, yeah, I would say even uh, guys like Muncie, who, I mean, Muncie's batting 191, Travis, but a better WRC plus than either Arenado or Austin Riley, which is just not something I yeah. would expect to say. But it's because he's walking a ton and still has 18 home runs, Muncie does. So um, lots of names, Travis, that I would kind of prefer to see. Even Spencer Steer, who I think is a rookie for, yes. yep. for Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He's walking over 10% of the time. He has a better... Um, WRC plus just better hitting stats across the board um, than um, than uh, Arenado or Riley do. So, uh, long story short, Travis, did you say who you would pick? Would you pick I, Arenado? I, I go Nato. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take Arenado just because of the offensive stats are slightly better, and and we can trust Arenado's glove. But Travis, I mean, Arenado right now is at a one point one Fangraphs war, so it, it's just it's just yeah. not impressive. It's, but it's it's a down year for I mean everybody. It's it's really incredible that you know we made these top tens at every position and. Me and you, I think we're our top six. We're just, it almost feels like we have almost six Hall of Famers, uh, future Hall of Famers, you know, at least are on the on the path to a Hall of Fame career at the third base position, just how deep it is. But Travis, it, it, how many, how many more games? So right now, Ellie De La Cruz has played about half his time at short, half his time at third. How many more games at third would he need to just like win this award? Like, yeah, realistically, right, right. realistically yeah. if he played like thirty games, is he just stealing this from these guys? And, like, and, and even if he's not, doesn't have the better numbers, it's almost like I would rather have the more exciting player out there and like someone who can like except, like a freak of nature, as opposed to these guys who are having their career low years. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's third base, Alex. We'll move now to shortstop. Um, a really fun one, I would say, at the uh, at the shortstop position in the American League. Again, an, another Rangers and Blue Jays battle right here. But Bo Bichette, who is having a, a pretty good season, you know, he's batting 318, 14 home runs, 47 RBIs, and an 857 OPS. I feel like he's gotten a lot of love so far throughout the entire season. But there's a guy in Texas by the name of Corey Seager that is just playing out of his freaking mind right now. Um, only 10 home runs. He did get hurt. He was hurt for, I think about six weeks. Um, and, and in those six weeks out, only one RBI shy of Boba Shett. He has 46 RBIs. Dude's got a 348 batting average and a 
one zero two three OPS, Alex. Um, it's easy to go. You got to give it to Seager. I, I think you would you would definitely agree with that one. Yeah, for me, it's going to be Seager over Bichette. Um, there is that missed time component, but for me, that's not a huge deal as long as he's healthy right now and the sample size is big enough to fairly judge him. I think we have uh, we can check those boxes. I mean, I feel very. I don't know if he's going to still bat 349 by the end of the season, but I think his average is on base, his slugging. They're high right now, and I can see him continuing to be mm-hmm. uh, a superstar at the position. I mean, we both picked him MVP. for MVP, yep. uh, at least in that kind of top finalist kind of discussion. And he could do it, Travis. It just comes going to come down to him being there till the end. I mean, he's about 20 games behind schedule than some of these other shortstops, but he can he can kind of, I mean, almost almost looks like 28 games uh fewer played than wander franco so yeah it will be hard to make up that ground but if he can finish around 120 something games and then a couple other guys i mean obviously all the betting odds are going to go for otani but yeah. like yeah. barring barring injury i think seager's not um out of that race but bachette like you said is having a good year and he deserves to be i would say an all-star um the glove is is never uh super impressive but seager's is not really either mm-hmm. for them too it comes down to the bat um, the most complete guy, Travis, that is, of course, being left off because of the team he plays for, for me, is Wander Franco. Um, nine home runs, uh, a, a great plate uh, presence because he can walk and also avoid strikeouts. He has 25 stolen bases, which is just a ton to have at the halfway point, yeah. right? And he plays really good defense. So for me, and he leads in the Fangraphs war by a, by a good margin um, amongst all shortstops, let alone American League. So, um I think you predicted it. You said it a couple weeks ago. You're like, it's going to be Bichette and Seager because Franco plays for Tampa Bay. Yeah. And you were totally right. But Franco, for me, deserves a bit of a shout out. He does. He definitely does. And that's what also scares me. Or I look at first base with Vladdy and Yandy. You know, the the fan base uh, Mm -hmm. strength is uh, is key in getting these guys to start. But uh, yeah, shout out to Wander. He's been unbelievable the entire season. He's been carrying that team uh, to what what's an incredible you know season so far by the Rays. But on the National League side, Alex, again, um, not the sexiest picks. Frankie Lindor is one of the finalists. Uh, I would say he is having a okay slash. I mean, he's he's not. He's not producing what he is getting paid, Alex. Um, right. We'll cover that right now. But the, his, the next finalist is Orlando Arcia, who is having a monster year for the Atlanta Braves. But just covering both guys, you know, Francisco Lindor getting paid north of $30 million a season. He's only batting 221, 15 home runs, which is good. 53 RBIs, which is good. Only a 745 OPS, which is awful for what we're used to seeing Lindor do. Unlike his counterpart, uh, the National League counterpart, Orlando Arcia, he's got an 824 OPS. Very, very productive for a guy that, I mean, I think he only gets paid maybe $5 million a season, Alex. And a 315 batting average for Arcia. Less power and less RBIs, but I really don't care about that, the shortstop spot. Um, I, I'm going with Arcia on this one just by the respect that he has uh he's made the league give him over the course of the first half with these numbers. So that's where I'm going to lean. Arcia is my guy for shortstop. What about you? I'm also going to go with Arcia between these two choices, Travis. It's uh, a fun little like National League East division rival face off between the two. And of course, the Braves find a way to do it again. Travis, they didn't pay Swanson the big money. They get a breakout. And uh, they also choose not to really utilize Vaughn Grissom, who had a good second half of the season last year offensively. 
um, you know, their prospect and they said, you can go to the minors. We're going to roll with Arcia and he's been great for them. Um, not, not the, not as big of a sample size as some of the other guys at the position in the national league, but I think the offense makes up for it. He's just a substantial bit better offensively, um, than the other options in the, in the league. But there's other guys, Travis, as well, just like all these other spots where, um, I guess just the, the big Mets and Braves fan base is kind of overpowered, but you know, Matt McClain's hitting the ball. Well, he's a rookie. He's maybe doesn't have the games played, but he's uh he's batting 325, um, a bit just better offensive numbers overall than, than Arcia and, uh, and Lindor. Mm-hmm. And then also looking at like Geraldo Perdomo on Arizona, Travis, um, he's hitting the ball uh, really good right now. Um, he only has five home runs and he has nine steals, but the average on base and slugging is better than guys like Lindor. So, um, yeah, Travis, um, it seems like the popularity contest trend kind of continues here, but what's stunning is you got guys like Correa and Trey Turner nowhere to be found as well as, I mean, as well as, um, <laughs> what if I told you that Swanson and Bogarts, yes, the, the, yes. the big four at the position this off season did not make the all-star game finalist cut. What if I told you that uh, the two shortstop finalists for the national league, were going to be coming out of the national league East Alex. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to say it's going to be Lindor and Trey Turner, but, uh, that is not just so much. not the case, uh, this year, but respect to Orlando Arcia. Um, he's definitely earning it, uh, and, and should earn that starting spot at, at the shortstop spot. But moving now to catcher, Alex, uh, it gets pretty fun. I, I actually really like the catcher debates here. Um, I think all four guys are, are very well deserving of this spot, but, um, American league first, we have Jonah Heim of Texas, uh, having a great, great season. He kind of broke out last year, I would say. Um, and he's, he's he's pretty much continuing that trend this year. He's batting 282 with 11 homers, 55 RBIs, and an 811 OPS. Very very good for a catcher. Um, but the next finalist, who he is the future of Major League Baseball, that's Adley Rauschman. Uh, a 264 average, 10 homers, 32 RBIs, and a 790 OPS. All the numbers are worse than Heim, Alex. But I actually went Adley. Um, I guess there's there's something to say as well. I, I, I really want to see a lot of the youth in this all-star game. That's why I went with Josh Young at the third base spot, and that's why I'll go with Adley at the catching spot. Jonah Heim, I guarantee he probably will be on the team. He should be at least on the team as a backup, but with what Adley's been able to do so far, and I think, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, Alex, you might have to look and see um, what his career total games is right now. I don't know if he's played 162 games yet, but um he's been incredible and it, it's only going to get better uh the the numbers he's put up it, it's it's been remarkable so adley should be and uh hopefully will be the catcher for the american league side what do you got for your catcher yeah between heim and rushman charis i'm actually going to lean heim i i'm a big adley fan i think he's going to start a lot of these games in the future throughout his career the offense is great the defense is also good um and he's not that slow either but um for me, Haim is having a bit better of a year. He does have the better batting average, actually a worse on base. Rushman has been great at drawing walks this year, but Haim has a much better slugging to make up for it. Overall, the WRC Plus is very similar, and I I could see an argument for either one offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they're both switch hitters, funny enough, but um, the defense actually really favors Haim. And I get how that's not always like a big deal for all-star games, but Haim has been one of the best framers in baseball the last few years. And now his bats kind of caught up to him. So for me, I think this is kind of his year to be an all-star starter. So I'm going to give him kind of the... Um, I'll give him the nod, I guess. You know, 11 home runs to 10. The offense is very, very similar. Um, I'll go ahead and give the kind of the defensive edge to Heim there, and I'll let him be my starter um, for this award here. But, um, yeah, if, if this is one of the few, Chavis, where it feels like it's kind of a two-horse race. There's yep. not many other guys, American League catchers, that I'm like, oh, this guy had to be here. No, th- th- these are the big two right yes, now. Yes, definitely. Definitely. National League side, Alex, this is probably one of the, I would say, one of the hottest debates. Both guys are so even when it comes to these numbers. Batting average. Uh, the two guys are going to be Sean Murphy of Atlanta and Will Smith of the Dodgers. Easily the two best catchers, I would say, of the season. They're both playing in the National League. Uh, Murphy batting 290 to Will Smith's 291. Both have 12 home runs. Murphy 43 RBIs to Will Smith's 41. OPS, Will, Sm- Will Smith leads that by six points. It's a 919 for Murphy to 925 for Will Smith. So both guys just so dead even. Um, again, I kind of went with the guy with, with, with some of the lower numbers. I actually lean more towards Sean Murphy. I think that he's having an unbelievable season. But again, I, I it's disrespectful to just not mention Will Smith and how insane he's been this year. I feel like for... Every single season, we're always talking JT Real Muto of the Phillies, but these two guys are just putting up monster years. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to lean Murphy just from how successful the Braves have been. And I think Murphy's a big, big influencer and the reason why they're they're the top team in the National League. So I'm going to lean Murphy on the catching spot. But what do you got? Yeah, very similar kind of debate. Um, these guys uh, comparatively with Haim and Rushman. But for the National League, Travis, I'll also lean Murphy. It, it is very, very difficult because they are both hitting the ball very well. Smith, uh, specifically Travis, is really blowing me away with some of his plate skills. He's walking 15% of the time and striking out just 13% of the time. Um, for a catcher to have 12 home runs over a 500 slugging, but actually more walks than strikeouts, for me, that's super impressive. He's able to, you know, just be a really complete hitter. Like, for me, Charles, whenever a hitter has like more walks and strikeouts, I think of guys like maybe a Freeman type. I think of like Prime Number Pools is a good example, but he was like he's kind of one of one. But looking at like other just like good hitters, like Jose Ramirez comes to mind. Like these guys who can put the ball in play and also lay off the junk to get enough walks. Like that's really a good skill set, and also to be have power and be playing catcher. I think Will Smith um, is perfectly lined up to be the best catcher in baseball um by the end of the season next season maybe a year after i think he's kind of reaching this peak here offensively while still being a good defender good enough defender um to be the pinnacle of his, of his position all that being said i think murphy's just having a bit better of a year um the offense is very close the home runs are actually dead tie both guys don't really steal but um the defense does heavily favor murphy he has been a juggernaut behind the plate um, and also a juggernaut with the bat. So I'll give the nod to Murphy for this specific all-star game. But I think Smith is like that guy, Travis. Definitely. I think he's been that guy right now. So he's ever since 2019, since he came to the league, it has been uh it's been stellar. He's been top three catcher every single year, it feels like. But 
that rounds out the catchers and the total of the infield. Alex, we'll just quickly dive into the outfield. And Alex, it gets it gets bad in my opinion for some of these outfield selections, at least these finalists. There are some big names that are no nowhere to be seen on these uh, on these finalists for the outfield. So you have six outfielders in total for each league: six in the American, six in the National. Let's start with the American first, Alex. One thing I will say. Out of all the finalists, Aaron Judge is on the list. He has a torn ligament in his toe. He is not getting my vote because I firmly believe he will not be participating in the All-Star game. So that's one name I would definitely say is is an easy cross-off. Even though the numbers prove it, he should be an All-Star. I don't want to waste that vote on someone that is hurt and is not even going to participate. But when I look at these three outfielders, Alex, there's a lot of names that I would, um, I would, I would, I would, I've hoped to see on this finalist list. One name that I I honestly can't believe is on here is Kevin Kiermeyer. Um he's a good outfielder, really good defense, but do I see him being a finalist for an all-star bid? Not really. Um, but I will say the uh out of all the six names, so you have Mike Trout, Kevin Kiermeyer, Aaron Judge, Adolis Garcia, Randy Rosarena, Jordan Alvarez. Uh I'll I'll go with Mike Trout. Jordan Alvarez and Randy Rosarena on this list. Um, Trout Alvarez, I think for me, pretty easy picks just because um, those are some some of the best hitters on the planet. So you got to get them on the all-star team. And then also Randy Rosarena, a lot of credit to what he's done this year. A 292 batting average, an 890 OPS. He's got a better OPS right now than Mike Trout. So you got to give that um, you got to give that a selection right there. So that is my three outfielders for the AL. What are you thinking on right now for the American League? I'm going to go with the same three out of those choices. I agree with you. Um, if I think if I thought Judge was going to play, I would pick him, even though he has like the fewer games played. Yes, but for me, it comes down to. I get really annoyed, Travis, when someone who I don't think deserves to start gets in. Yep. So I'm going to use my votes wisely on guys that I think are actually going to be able to play. So I will also go with Trout, with the Rosarena, and with Jordan Alvarez, just like you. But Travis, like you said, Kiermaier doesn't make a lot of sense. I He had a really hot start to the year mm-hmm. offensively, and then the glove's always amazing. It, I mean, I, I see plays on Twitter, Travis, like once a week where it's like, dude, I think this guy's like one of the best defenders yeah. of all time in yeah. baseball history it's really special but all-star game you know that's never really what it's been about uh, it's kind of the way it is uh whether you kind of like it or not unfortunately that's um the focus has always been kind of on um you know comparing offensive production um travis luis robert absolutely needs to be here he, <laughs> very true he, he needs to be here i was thinking um, even kyle tucker also as well i can get to him uh, 885 OPS for um, Luis Robert. He actually leads all American League outfielders in Fangraphs War. He leads them all. Yeah, yeah. More than anyone. And he's not mentioned in this top six. Uh, he has 21 home runs to his name, which is um, pretty monstrous. And then the uh, slugging is 559, which, you know, trumps most of these guys. So overall, I think Robert is quite a bit of a snub for me personally. Um, I still do like Randy being there. He, Randy has had a better bat overall than Robert, but Robert has like the center field defense and elite speed component to his game. That's kind of makes him special. Um, I don't love Garcia being there. I get the kind of the Texas hype and he does have 17 homers. So I kind of get it in that regard. But like you said, there's guys like um, Tucker who I would think deserve a bit more praise um, there's just guys across the board. Cedric Mullins is someone who 
doesn't really have the games played, but um, has the offense to kind of back it up. And there's just tons of names, Travis, who I think um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they got out out displaced by um, you know guys like Kiermaier and guys like uh, Adolis Garcia. I definitely agree. Um, moving to the National League, um, yeah, we can cover the guys that we'll pick, and then we can cover, of course, the big names that uh, – that were left off this one for the national league. Uh, but Acuna already locked in. So there's only two spots available, uh, on the national league side. Um, and there are only four players that will represent the finalists. So it's going to be, um, Mookie Betts. Actually, I'm sorry. So you have four, uh, finalists, but then you also have two, uh, DH spots for the national league. There are no DH spots available for the American league because Otani already has that pick, but I'll cover the four outfielders that are available. So you got to pick two of the four. You got Mookie Betts, Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Michael Harris, the second Alex with Acuna, who are you picking out of those four? So yeah, Acuna is locked in. Um, because the special year he's having, for me, the next pick for sure has to be Corbin Carroll. Yes. He is up to a 3.5 Frangas war. He's hitting the ball like a maniac, a 290 average, 369 on base, 559 slugging. Um, you know, he's just really doing it all five to a player, 23 steals, good defense. You know, he's playing crazy. Um, and the next pick, Travis, between these guys, I would go Mookie Betts over the other two. Betts is also having a great year at the plate. One of his best years at the plate um, since joining L.A. Also, of course, going to be playing good defense. Also kind of gets, I don't know if it should count for help or if it should hurt him, but he's playing shortstop some of these I, games. I was going to say, why don't he's we, turning two out here. Why, why don't we put him at shortstop for the game, you know? I would be down. <laughs> Take over Arcia's job and uh, and Lindor's job because, I mean, that'd be an easy guy to get at shortstop right now. And then, Travis, that would open up spots throughout the outfield for other guys yes. that somehow are not here. Can I get into that right now? Please do. No Padres on this list. Charles Juan Soto has a 156 WRC+. Plus. He is one of the best hitters in baseball at the moment on a big sample size. He's walking over 20% of the time. Same number of walks as strikeouts. He has a 425 on base over a 500 slugging. He's uh, top four in uh, war at the position, uh, 14 homers, and then Travis, his teammate, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yes, he missed the first few weeks on a suspension. Ever since he came back, he's been one of the best hitters in baseball, and he has graded out as the best defender in right field. Travis, guys like Mookie Betts, guys who are perennial every year, gold glove type guys, I don't know how Tatis is doing it, but his combination of speed, arm and just athleticism reactions and, and everything else he has been one of the best defensive guys out there he's still stolen 14 bags he has 15 home runs even though he's missed like you know he's like 20 games behind all these guys in terms of games played it doesn't matter he still yep. completely deserves to be at least a finalist he yes. in my mind i think he should be starting yes. he should be at least be a finalist i mean um, i mean outfield with acuna soto and tatis is just just deadly yeah and then and then like you know if if, if you wanted to argue carol or Betts over tatis and soto i could hear that argument for sure but um looking at the other guys travis i just do not think lourdes guriel um is on the same you know stratosphere and then michael harris is has a 725 ops i get that he has really good defense and, and base stealing but it's not even close yeah. for me it's not even close yeah, yeah i i would 
firmly agree with that. Looking at Guriel Jr. And, and Michael Harris, this Michael Harris has the name and he has the Braves logo, which gives him a lot of. What are they doing down there, Travis? I, Atlanta, I, they, they get these guys on cheap deals. I think part of those cheap contracts, it says, yeah. like, you will be an all-star game finalist no matter what. Yeah, and 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 Lourdes Gurriel has been unbelievable this year. I mean, he's had himself a great season. But I, I just, again, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's, there's, levels, just, there's so much hatred for Tatis and because he's kind of like the bad boy of the league right now. And then, you know, Soto is, I, I, he's he's having a quiet season, but a a quiet but deadly season i would say with these numbers he's bringing up but again i also because the potters are losing i guess i part of it i definitely agree with that i just again i don't i don't understand why some of these finalists are not um they're they're just they're yeah they're not on the finalist list right here i would i would have loved to have saw corbin carroll mookie betts juan soto and fernando tazis jr i think that would have sparked a very interesting debate Mm -hmm. on how you want to strategize and use your outfield if you want speed and athleticism with Tatis and Carroll with Acuna or do you want um just you know more of the uh all around just good hitting type players like a guy like even Betts and like Soto but um that rounds out the outfield Alex uh like I said we'll get into the DH Otani's already the DH for the American League no surprise there the National League though has two picks that is going to be either Bryce Harper or JD Martinez of the Dodgers um Alex who again Harper came back what five weeks ago uh only has three home runs compared to JD's 16 home runs so uh you can definitely say JD has earned it at since he's played the entire season but it's the name it's the brand of Bryce Harper some people might want to see that more than an old JD Martinez in the all-star game so I kind of get both sides you can look at the numbers and say you know one guy is drastically better than the other but do you want to see the big players in the big moments in a nationally televised game? I, I definitely see uh, Bryce Harper's stock being way higher than J.D. Martinez's. But who would you go with on that DH spot for the National League? Between those two, I'm going with J.D. Martinez. I think that he, not only are a lot of the uh, like rate stats a bit better, but also he's been doing it the whole season. Um, he didn't start out super hot, but he definitely started clicking. Um, I think, Charles, back when he was like, early days with the red Sox, like back when like they were like the 2018 team oh he was unbelievable he was he was awesome but i always kind of felt like maybe it was just my head was just wrong about him but i always thought he's like this power kind of focused guy he really is like a complete hitter yeah. he's got the contact yeah. component to his game he's got good discipline up there um so as a dh i think he really brings the full package that you could want i think last year last june he was batting like 340 with like only like six home runs and it's like yeah. this guy just traded the pop for the contact he now just, so he's just hitting a bunch of singles and doubles um extra bases uh, still being a part of his game but yeah this year he has some some level of pop with his uh 16 homers you know he's on pace for you know uh one of the better nl dh seasons travis like always there's other guys who i feel like could be considered here but the jd martinez and harper are really like true dhs right and there's this interesting thing happening in the league that i've talked about before that because now every team has a dh i think some of these teams kind of experiment with like Oh, today we'll DH you, like Anthony Santander, but then tomorrow we'll DH Rushman, and then the next day we'll DH, you know, whoever. And they kind of cycle through sometimes. Um, and that can make for, you know, make it can make it hard to vote on this kind of position. Like Justin Turner, Travis, he plays first, he plays third, he plays DH. It's kind of hard to say, oh, how much consideration should you get to be a DH um, at your, you know, on yep. this kind of ballot. Mm-hmm. But overall, Travis, I think 
Um, JD definitely has earned this spot, but there are other fun names I'd like to even point out too. Jorge, Jorge Soler has 21 home runs. Nolan Gorman plays infield too, but he plays lots of DH and he has been doing work for you in fantasy. I'm sure you've yes, yep. been able to see. But um, overall, Travis, um, if JD gets the nod, I'm more than happy with that. Definitely, do, definitely. Do you, do you think that he will over Harper? I don't. You think Harper will get <laughs> I, it? I think Harper won it. I, I think there's this year you're going to see so many guys that probably aren't deserving, but I think the name... Like I mentioned in, on the first position, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think he'll get it over Yandi. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that there are certain guys that have that brand and name that are going to get it. And it's, again, a lot of people give a lot of, you know, uh, value to an all-star, you know. And, and some of these guys might not start, but they'll definitely make the team. But a lot of people say, oh, you know, th they'll put that on their Hall of Fame plaque. Like, how many all-star games? But, you know, I, I really can give two craps about an all-star game because it's just measuring your first half stats i want to see the entire season put onto a uh, uh entire spectrum and seeing you know how, how you produce the entire year but uh yeah there sometimes when you just have that brand and that name you 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 hold a slight edge over a lot of these guys even though some guys are just totally outperforming you and have been playing the entire season but yeah i think that if i had to bet money i'd probably put it on harper instead of jd even though what's funny jd has the you know the los angeles market uh, right behind him i'm sure he has the uh the boston market on him as well wanting him to do well so uh those two you know those two teams and markets and fan bases will probably uh, rally behind him but anyways I, I think that bryce harper of course just having that name and what he did last year in the playoffs i think people really want to see that in the uh in the postseason sure. so um, i think he also is right now the only philly on the list for the national league so i can see a lot of people rallying behind him because the phillies everywhere have just been atrocious but um that rounds out the all-star voting i mean when we record next you'll you'll probably announce who's starting and and what the results are because that will end thursday night um alex what should we get into next i know we have some uh some players to highlight that have been going off yes travis i touched on him a bit earlier we both did talking about the National League second base position. But I wanted to quickly bring up um, Luisa Rice and just what do you think that this guy is capable of in terms of, you know, chasing 400 is obviously unlikely and that's been said a bunch of times and we don't want to keep kind of harping on that. But do you think that if he did hit 400, you know, what, what does that mean? And for me personally, I know what I would say, but do you think there's any MVP possibility here if he hits 400? Like, you know, maybe Acuna is the better defender, the better base runner, the better power hitter. But if 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 Arise can just get 400 batting average first time, um, in since what 41 or something? Or yeah, I'm not 19, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think it would um? carries so much historical significance that he could win an MVP award. I I do. I I think that it's been known to voters that or it's been known to fans that the, you know, MLB writers and the voters do appreciate historic seasons and I think batting 400 in a season is something we probably looked at as almost near impossible with just the the way that the game is played nowadays, you know, yeah. batting average really isn't a a thing to be, you know, striving for. I think, you know, 
in the last couple seasons, you know, 327 has kind of been the the peak batting average in the entire league where you look at 10, 15 years ago, um, guys were easily batting 350 and but not not coming close at all to 400, but they were batting 350. And that was kind of like a normal uh, average. But, you know, with what he's been able to do and then what the Marlins are doing. I mean, Alex, this team right now, 45 wins. They're 45 and 34. They have the third most wins in the entire National League. I mean, some of these storylines for this year. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, it's almost July 1st and the Marlins are in second. The Reds are in first and the Diamondbacks are in first. I mean, it's it's really just a remarkable year uh from from all of baseball with some of these standings and, and some of the teams that are not in first place but i mean imagine if he does get the marlins to the playoffs which again i hate to say that team success matters in these mvp voting but if he gets the marlins to the playoffs and he does bat 400 i think why not i mean i, I think that that should be almost a a easy nod to a top three finalist i think he would be easily a top three finalist but i think that that should get him into that uh discussion and then you got to look at the other guys. I mean, if Acuna has a great season, but nothing historic, then yeah, I mean, I, I would, you probably have to lean more on the historic side, which will be really funny because I feel like Acuna is like, he's almost like that Garrett Cole that's just chasing that first award, that first hardware. Garrett Cole is still facing or, or trying to get that first Cy Young award. Uh, it'd be funny if Acuna has a great season and nobody else is really competing with him but then you have this guy Luis Arias who bats 400 on the year and uh and you know takes that award away from him but it 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 just feels like if he can keep this up that he will be uh a, a great pick for that MVP right now um but I again I I think I stated last time I I think it'd be very very rare for him to get and bat 400 uh at the end of the season I think that you know he's probably looking somewhere at like even like a even like a good area to look at, you could say like even three seventy. But I think like in that three sixty range is probably where he'll finish. Um, we'll see as you kind of get through the months of July and August. But his approach has been slap hit first. Um, he does not drive the ball too too much. But with that slap hit approach, yeah, you could bat four hundred because you just got to go two for four every single night, and you're you know that's going to bat you five hundred. But you know you look at the four hundred. If he gets five at bats, you know, two for five is is uh, is going to get him that record. But yeah, I think it does give him a shot to be the MVP. Looking at what he could accomplish and what Acuna could accomplish, um, it's a good point by you about you know the voters will care about history over a guy who maybe had better production overall, but didn't you know do history and kind of had a you know a pretty standard year for his expectations mm -hmm. like Acuna. Um, but it, it's crazy to think that, I mean, Acuna, he's on pace for over 30 home runs, over 70 stolen bases, mm -hmm. um, gonna have, you know, he's leading baseball, um, in war outside of Otani, he's leading a position player war right now on fan graphs. And so looking at what Acuna is doing, it's, it's super like, you know, in any normal year, National League MVP written all over it, but just looking at also what Arise is doing, it's also, it's very interesting and, I'll be honest, I, I don't think I could give Arise the award unless, you know, his war ends up, you know, rivaling Acuna. And um, I, for me, the guy doesn't need to have power. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I obviously really care about, you know, that, like, full approach at the plate and, like, you know, 
how much are you walking? How much are you making contact? How much are you hitting for extra bases? But, you know, someone does not need to have the, the crazy slugging for me to pick them. If I look at a rise, um, the biggest thing that stands out to me, Travis, is he is striking out less than 5% of the time. He is doing a great job of not only avoiding the strikeouts, but I've seen these stats about sweet spot uh percentage i i'll be honest i don't know exactly what that means but it has to do with line drives essentially mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he is hitting line drives it's not arise you mean right arise yeah. it's not crushed yeah. line drives yeah. but he's hitting it line drives over the infield right yeah so it goes over the infielder's head and it lands before the outfielders. and i'm sure exit velo is above like 95 uh, on some of them i'm sure yeah. it, it, it comes down to it comes down to um like we've said, not crushing the ball for home runs and for, you know, wall bangers, but he is making quality contact, even though it's not, you know, totally crushed. Yep. So yep. it's, it's a, it's, he is like the guy kind of built to chase 400. Like mm -hmm. we keep saying, I, 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 I would bet against it. Just, I think the math says it uh, pretty clearly, but a guy who is constantly making line drive contact with a decent level of power, like a hard hit uh, level, I should say. I mean, he hasn't hit the ball uh, for great exit velo across the board, but keeping that launch angle the way it is and also avoiding the strikeouts, that those are two big keys for keeping the average high because um, there's just a better chance for the ball dropping in for a single with the way he's approaching at the plate right now. And if that strikeout percentage creeps from 5% to like 10%, all of a sudden it's like, wait, like you're going to have, you know, if you double his strikeout total, which a 10% strikeout rate is still really good, but for his standards, it'd be, it'd be a big step back. Um, it could totally wreck his chances uh, to get the award. So, or to get the, you know, the 400 a milestone, but it's something we're going to continue to track Travis because as long as he's on pace for it or on pace to be close by the end of the year, we how can we not yep. cover a guy who is, you know, chasing history probably gets used too much, but that would be real. That would be one of the most unexpected outcomes. We all knew that getting rid of the shift would like help some contact hitters yes. maybe, mm -hmm. especially lefties like he's a lefty. But for someone to be this successful for the whole first half of the season i don't think this was anybody's bingo card yeah, so you yeah. know you have to give him the shout out and kind of consider you know what would it mean if he, if he did the whole season like this but travis let's shift to another player well, one thing i will say the Go next ahead. the next best batting average on the marlins is 280 <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> and, 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 and so no one is batting three actually i'm so sorry i'm so sorry wait Nope, that's not on base percentage so yes it is 280 uh, but yeah yeah it's brian de la cruz we've talked about it before a couple years back, a year or two back, the Marlins were such a high strikeout home run team. Like they, when they first got Solaire, um, I mean, across their board, uh, Cooper, I mean, all their players. Um, I'm trying to remember the center fielder, but um, Jacob Stallings. Um, the uh, I know they had Avisel Garcia, Avi Garcia, uh, yeah. uh, Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. Right? Yep. So a lot, of, a lot of their guys a couple years back were heavy uh strikeout guys and jazz now, yep and now travis like they you know it's not like adding one guy can address a team weakness but it definitely was like a conscious effort to add a rise to add segura to add uh guriel and say we're gonna have some more batting average guys on the team to kind of round things out and for me it's not a great strategy 
And for two of the guys, I was right. And for one of the guys, I was just way wrong. Because Guriel and Segura have not been great hitters. Yep. Arias has been a 161 WRC plus because he's almost batting 400 and still walks more than he strikes out. So it's like a very, very objectively successful year by any metric. So And, and one thing I always wonder in... If you had a crystal ball and you could look, if this trade was not done between the Twins and the Marlins, yeah. you know what would this offense look like when the best hitter is Jorge Soler with a with a one thirty six OPS plus? Every other guy has an OPS plus below one ten. So it, it's it, it, and only two other guys have an OPS plus above a hundred. So you're looking at Jorge Soler as your you know best hitter, and everybody else just can't hit the ball but you're starting you know your pitching staff would probably be better off with Pablo Lopez he can be your five guy and uh that'd be a pretty damn good rotation with a lot of these young guys producing uh very quickly right now with the with the Marlins but it would be an interesting look at to see what this is is Luis Arias really providing this much value to adding you know they have 45 wins right now but without him are are they significantly worse are they are they you know in the same kind of realm what what would we be looking at right now for the marlins but it's a it's a fun thought experiment yeah. because that trade we've talked about a handful of times because it really does feel like two teams addressing their needs with kind of like two win now pieces for each of them so um we'll we'll continue to track the arise kind of story and his situation but you know entering entering all-star time you know half through the season um, very surprised to report that he is still, you know, at 399 average. Travis, moving on to another guy who I think is worth a bit of quick discussion here. Jordan Walker. He was kind of, I'm not going to say slept on, but, you know, he was, I would say going into the season, a lot of hype. And then like first month or however long it was, there was a big step back because he kept hitting the ball on the ground. He can really crush the ball, but the offensive numbers just weren't really good enough and he ended up getting demoted right yep ever since he got called back up he has been super red hot um so looking at just kind of the stats here um, on base reference i can sort the game logs and so looking from opening day up until he got demoted on april 23rd at that point in time he had a 274 batting average a 321 on base and only a 397 slugging so a slugging this guy has crazy power potential he hits the ball super hard but wasn't getting, wasn't getting the slugging percentage to really back that up so his ops was at a 718 and then if we look at you know a month later he gets called back up and let's kind of re-examine the numbers here so since june 2nd to now um today being uh we'll go through through June 25th, don't have the game today, uh, the numbers for that. But in those games played, it's 19 games. It's a 333 average, a 413 on base, and a 561 slugging with four home runs as opposed to two before the demotion. Mm -hmm. He's hitting 974 OPS. So, Travis, to me, obviously, it's a small sample size, but it feels like a different guy. Yeah. It feels like this was a guy who completely struggled against big league pitching to hit the ball for power. He was hitting it hard, but couldn't get it into the outfield, couldn't get it over the fence. Been doing a lot better at that recently. Um, so he's lifted He's lifted his season totals up to a 366 on base. He has a 129 OPS plus. And I think about a month in, a lot of people would have wrote him off for like a rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Carroll's going to run away with it. But, yeah, yeah. but it's funny how I, I think Walker really 
is coming on strong. And if what he did in June, if he can do it again in July and August, like this guy's going to be um, having a pretty special rookie year offensive season, in my opinion. The funny thing about it all, Travis, is he is so bad defensively <laughs> that he has a negative war yeah. on the year, base reference war, despite a 129 OPS plus. But um, that's just because I think he is... I think he has to be a DH at yes. some point. It'll mm-hmm. be hard to see any other way forward. You know, we're talking like, uh, you know, JD Martinez vibes. I would say definitely. But, but um, any other thoughts on Walker? And I, I think you know this is the kind of guy Cardinals were hoping he could be. It just took some time to get here. Yeah, crazy what uh, what what an adjustment can can do to you when you know you get not really demoted, but just get sent down to AAA for a couple of weeks, if not a month, and can work on some things. And then you know you call you get called back up, and you're a completely different hitter. Uh, and we've seen it so far and and he's been the one of a few bright spots in that Cardinals team uh this 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 year so if they can build on that you know he is going to be one of their their big leaders moving forward for the future uh right now the GM uh, I think I think it's Mosellock has to just he's got to figure out what this team's vision is and what they're going to do for the future because again um Every single week, it just it looks like more and more that this team is not going to be in the playoffs. Um, the season is getting darker and darker. But uh, at least when you got some of these young guys really stepping up, and you can see uh, a bright future with them, that that's got to be a good uh, a good vision. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But it, it's 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 crazy where this guy started off at. Spring training was unbelievable. Beginning of the season, first month, just went downhill. Went down to AAA, worked on some things. Now he's back at the major league level, hitting like I think we all expect him to be. But I agree with you, Corbin Carroll. I, I think he's he's just running away with that thing right now. I don't think there's really anyone out there that can that can uh, really go out there and stop a guy like him. So that's where I'll leave it. And Travis, we can kind of wrap up the episode here by talking about um, you know almost the halfway point. Next episode, we're already looking at like end of the month stuff, so we'll probably be doing some of our. Um, you know, all June stuff, and we'll also be talking about the All Star results. So, um, I want to take take a you know a few minutes right here just to talk about if we had to look at on a team perspective, like the kind of mid season report about just how these teams are looking um, in their you know are they on, are they on track to make the playoffs? Are they uh, have they been disappointing? Are they going to be able to stay afloat in the second half? Just to kind of briefly go through some of these teams and the standings throughout the different divisions. Um, we'll just kind of do it quickly. Not going to not going to do a deep, deep dive, but wanted to kind of figure out exactly how we see things landing in, in some of these uh, divisions. So um, we'll just start um, with the AL. We can go East, Central, then West. Um, east, we have the Rays, Travis. They are still uh, dominating that division. Um, the Orioles, but are, don't blink because Orioles are only four and a half. They that's, are. That's all I'll say. I mean, th- with the start the Rays had, it's just amazing how. Sure. I, I feel like all four, all the all the rest of the teams in the East would have probably thought, "Shit, that's going to be a lot of uh, you know ground to make up." But yeah. Baltimore has just been playing above five hundred baseball, and right now it's almost July first, and we're looking at a a very tight race that could come down to a very exciting last couple months of baseball in that east and again just how good that east has been but uh but carry on again with what you were saying yeah and and just um looking at the other you know the actually i'll go i'll go division leaders and then i'll get into like the wild card picture so going to central uh twins are the only team above. i have nothing to say about that division they're only a team above 500 (laughs) they're only one game above 500 
Uh, it is just not an impressive uh, division across the board. We'll kind of keep it rolling here. So someone's going to, I mean, a lot of people are going to get screwed at the end of the year if it if it if it continues how it's going. Um, the wild card will be. They, there could be three, four, five teams. Oh yeah, it's going to be it's going to be brutal. Are missing out on the wild yeah. card spot that have a better record than the central winner. Um, fingers crossed that's not the case. Just for the sake of the fan bases that don't make the cut. But yeah. on the in the West, AL West, Rangers are leading five and a half ahead of Houston, six ahead of the Angels. Looking at some of the wild card stuff in the American League, Travis, I really don't know how this is going to land. There's so many teams I feel like that are in the mix, and a few teams here, Travis, are going to not make the cut. So looking at it, Baltimore right now is the best uh, seeded wild card team. The Yankees are about five games ahead of them, and then the Blue Jays are about a half a game behind the Yankees. And then so Toronto is holding that last wild card spot. So three AL East teams are occupying the three wild card spots going into today. Houston just half a game behind Toronto. The Angels half a game behind Houston. And Boston two games behind the Angels. So those are all the teams above 500. And they're all kind of really, I would say, not flirting, but they're all those six can really all go any type of way, in my opinion. I would lean towards Boston possibly slipping out. Maybe Seattle can come on strong at some point. But um, I think that looking at Baltimore, Yankees, Toronto, Houston, Angels, Travis, three of those, three of those five will probably make it. Yep. And whichever two do not, it's going to be pain. Yes. It's going to be pain for those fan bases. They're going to be looking at the Central and say, how can we couldn't be uh, teams in the Central? Um, I mean, any any. Any inclination on who, like, are any of those teams, are they overperforming? Do you think they're going to slip up in a big way? Yankees have done well to kind of stay alive without Judge. I've heard that people report that, like, his uh, ligament damage in his toe was worse than initially reported. Yep. I don't think he's, like, done any field activities or anything. So, um, if he misses, you know, a substantial amount more time, I could see the Yankees maybe stumbling. But they haven't stumbled really with him missing all this time, even though guys like LeMahieu and Stanton have not had super seasons. Um, looking at Toronto, I feel like they have the depth, you know, but they haven't been able to make it all click for an extended period. Baltimore feels like they're just rolling, so I'm going to kind of pencil them in uh, loosely for now. Houston and the Angels, Travis, both have the talent, and it's just going to kind of come down to who has the hotter finish of the season. But any other thoughts on that kind of group? Yeah, uh it's good and bad for the Yankees because they right now will, will uh, yeah, we don't know how long Judge will be out. They should be getting Rodon back in the next week or so. So maybe that's kind of a good little substitution right there. I mean, a Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, you know, one-two punch to a series. It, it's it's it doesn't really get much deadlier than that. But yeah, I I'm looking at the Yankees and you know third place nine and a half back they're only a half game up on the blue jays so it's really anybody's game right there and then like you mentioned i think boston is probably that team that will not catch up um to some of these other teams it just it doesn't feel like they have the team on paper and also in the field to uh to really make a huge push for the for the playoffs and also for uh higher rankings in this east but yeah, I, I mean, I think the Angels and the Astros will have to really battle it out, and that's that's tough for Angel fans because you're going against the defending World Series champions. And uh, Houston, 
for it feels like the past decade has just been uh, a playoff team and angels will have to really see who they are and see if they can compete against a team like that. We have seen Texas slip a little bit more than usual. So I would keep an eye on Texas to see how they perform. And if they are continuing to slip every single week, that could be a plus. You know, I always thought this year, the angels as speaking as an angels fan, I always thought this year, you know, I know we want to win the division, but I'm always striving to just make the playoffs, get in on the wild card. So I really don't care who wins that division. I just want us to be in second place at the end of the year. So we, that gives us a great shot to be uh, one of the uh, three wildcard teams. So right now, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely paying attention to that uh, to that East. I, I think, I mean, yeah, like we mentioned, I think Rays and Baltimore are, are two teams you really got to pencil in. I think you just got to look at New York and Toronto. Maybe one of those teams slips um, and just has a disappointing second half. And also with the Angels, I think that uh, health has not been on the Astros' side this year so far. So maybe that could be a big factor. But it, it's tough right now. I mean, I, I think I, I sent you over uh, MLB Network projections for how the season should finish. And, you know, I think the Angels they had finishing with like 86 wins. And that was like the that wasn't even like the the uh, the next best you know that that wasn't that that was like the eight seed if they uh if they kept the the old you know eight seed playoff format you know they, they wouldn't even be the seventh seed uh from what the projections were showing so you just got to keep chugging away but you just got to take care of take care of the games that you can take care of um and you know you got to just you got to take some big games from some of these div- division and and uh league rivals but yeah it, it's it's tough right now. I, I I don't know who's gonna slip. It's it's I, you know, you almost want to say Houston because it doesn't feel like they have the star power, but they're they they got guys that have been there before. And uh, and then you look at you know the Yankees and Toronto. It just feels like those two teams are so strong. Um, the Yankees, Houston, and the Angels all have really battled injuries. Yes, to key players, uh, Yank or Angels have you know weathered injuries to. I mean, Stassi never made an appearance yet this season. His replacement, um, Ohapi, is on the IL for months. And then they call up Neto to fill in at shortstop. He gets hurt. Rendon's had two different IL stints. Uh, three different of our relievers have been on the IL. Two of them won't even be back. Um, and then you look at a team like the Yankees, missing out on Judge is huge. Missing out on Rodon is huge. Looking at Houston, missing Altuve for the first chunk is really major. And then they've had some starting pitchers go on the IL um, more recently uh, to kind of weaken that rotation. Overall, Travis, I can really see this going many ways. And it feels like the competition is pretty even. A funny way to look at this, Travis, Boston and Seattle uh, and Toronto and the Yankees and Baltimore, those five teams are all within plus 21 to plus 26 run differential. Mm-hmm. Those five teams are all within about five runs of each other for the whole season to be that close. And then Houston and the Angels going into today are both at exactly plus 41. So it's really kind of feels like a dead even heat. Yep. Um, and then, of course, Texas and Tampa Bay are really running away with the run differential stuff. But I, I will say to, to point out on Texas, they're a division leader right now and one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. But... I got to say, I, I think that they have to be going downhill a little bit. I, I just feel like they've gotten so lucky this first half, Alex. I mean, looking at their lineup right now in baseball reference, you look at their starting one through nine. 
Travis Janikowski. He's got a 119 OPS plus this year. Leody, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Leody Tavares, a 126 OPS plus this year. Ezekiel Duran, an a 139 OPS plus All this year. Guys, so many guys are 120 or higher. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I do think they should expect some regression from some of those guys. I you know they're kind of having kind of that like magical season where guys are all clicking at the same time. It's been a really good first half. of Travis, I think like the first half probably exceeds the wildest dreams of most of the fans. Like I think their ideal season was like, we're going to get second place to the Astros. We're going to win a wild card series. We're going to push for the ALCS. No, it's like, you guys are going to, you guys might get a buy here. You you guys no, but, but you're right that I think that, if, if they regress a bit in the second half, I could definitely see Houston or the Angels applying pressure there in around the trade deadline. Um, good news for Angel fans, Travis. I just saw a headline. I mean, you know, I read it on Twitter, so I'm not going to act like this is like breaking. <laughs> this is, it's not going to be breaking news, you know. It's just something I read, some, some scuttlebutt I heard. But I guess um, the word is that um, Perry Manassian of the Angels, the general manager, is being told to be... Um, extremely aggressive at this trade deadline, knowing that it's kind of their last chance to kind of show Otani that they mean business about winning baseball. I could see us uh, making a big push for whatever the big pieces are available at the deadline and then trying to make the playoffs that way. They've already added Eduardo Escobar and Mike Moustakis just in the last week to kind of fill in on some of the infield depth because Rendon's hurt, Neto's hurt, Urshela's out for the year, Walsh was not performing, got demoted. So they've immediately addressed the concerns with bringing in veterans. And I think Mm -hmm. they'll continue to do so until the trade deadline. So um, overall, Travis, that kind of heat in the wild card race uh, for the American League feels very unpredictable because I could see all those teams really trying to compete down the stretch. But Travis, we'll round off with the NL here before we wrap up the episode. The division winners in the East, it is the Braves. Um, they're six games up on Miami. In the Central, the Reds have taken over. Going into today, they were half a game ahead of the Brewers, still holding on to that division lead. And then in the West, it was the Diamondbacks, two and a half games above the Giants, three above the Dodgers going into today. Um, overall, Travis, this wild card situation, it's another scenario where I don't really know how it's going to pan out. But part of that's just because you know, I have to kind of figure out here how real is this Marlins team? How real is this Giants team? You know, I feel like they deserve to be where they're at based on how they're playing, you know. But I will say, if a team like the Padres, a team like the Phillies, particularly the Phillies who have come on hotter recently, uh, yes. 40 and 37, um, if those kind of teams with that amount of spending and that amount of talent aren't able to kind of keep pace with Miami and San Francisco who are talented but have spent a lot less money, um, are kind of building from within, making a few trades in the margins, smaller signings. It'd be really, I think, head scratching for some of these owners and GM saying, you know, we spent all this money and all these assets on 
extending Machado, extending Soto, or sorry, extending Tatis, trading for Soto, buying Bogarts. In the case of the Phillies, we ex- we got Schwarber, we got Castellanos, we gave Wheeler big money, we gave big money to Trey Turner now in this last offseason, we added more bullpen depth. If those kind of teams end up still falling uh, short of a team like San Francisco, who's 44 and 34, Travis, I, I don't think anyone really predicted them to be second place above the Dodgers as it currently stands. Um, so just to, just to be clear here, it's Miami with the first wild card spot in the NL. It's San Francisco with the second spot, half a game back. And the Dodgers are just a half a game behind San Francisco. The Miami, Travis, Miami's 11 games above 500, I think, but they're a minus 15 run differential. Yep. So kind of calling into question how legit is this first half of theirs. But, I mean, Philadelphia, also negative run differential. Milwaukee, also negative. So, um, I guess give me your general thought on how you think this wildcard race might shape up. And also, are you going to completely say the Mets, are they done? The Padres, are they done? Pittsburgh, are they done? Give me your thoughts on that. Because the, the Padres are plus 31 run differential, but a losing team. So, yeah. tough yeah. spot, tough spot. Yeah, I, I think I'd lean more towards the Mets are done. I mean... 15 games back, of course, in the division. I know right now their 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 chances of winning a division are pretty much over. For the Mets, you're eight games back of a wild card. That's not impossible. You know, you got three full months, you know, pretty much left in the season. Basically saying if you can make up three games every single month, you know, you're gonna have uh you're gonna have a good shot. What I what I don't like to see if I'm a Mets fan is they're already starting to trade pieces. They did trade Eduardo Escobar to the Angels, so it almost is like are they going to start looking at other resources to trade is, you know, and, and how is Cohen really going to judge a year like this? I mean, I don't know if Buck Showalter has a uh, firm return next year after what he's been up to or what their team has been producing so far. So um, I would say the Mets, I would write them off just about almost write them off um, San Diego. Not so much. I mean, I know they're, they're six, they're nine and a half back for the division, six and a half with the wild card. I just think that their GM and their front office is not afraid to make drastic changes and every deadline they are going to be making big, big changes. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're in on a, uh, I know a big name that has been thrown out there is Shane Bieber from the guardians. So it would not be surprising if they're looking to acquire a guy like him, uh, to go out there and lead that uh, rotation. But um, Pittsburgh, you know, in Pittsburgh's only, they're five and a half back of a division spot, but they are eight back like the Mets for a wild card. I don't see Pittsburgh really, yeah, I think their their bright days are over. They had a really fun start, but I just don't see them um, lasting 162 games. So I think that their, their, their time is kind of done and over with. Um, Chicago Cubs too, they've been fun. But I, I don't see them really making that much noise. I mean, I, the only thing I would say for some of these teams is that they can just make some noise and win the division. Yeah, a, anything is possible. I mean, five and a half games back for the Pirates and three and a half games back for the Cubs. It's it's realistic. But and, I, and no one saw what the Reds just did coming, right? Nobody. So if, if the Cubs could but do twelve straight wins, yeah. If the Cubs or Pirates could do something similar, you know, like just rattle off like seven or eight in a row. Things can change quickly in that division where every single team has a negative run differential. It, it really can. Um, and even looking at like a team like Philly, they're 10 games back of the division. I definitely think that Braves can kind of almost lock that division up. Uh, but I do think Philly does have a decent shot now at a wild card. I mean, they are three games back of the Dodgers. Um, 
the big teams I'm looking at are Arizona and San Francisco. I, I, I still think Dodgers can win and will win the West. Um, they're just that team that can, that they can play 162 games and easily, uh, beat you at it. So, um, right now they're just keeping a good pace, 43 wins, three back. But I think that what the giants and diamondbacks do is going to be, uh, especially at the deadline is going to be very, uh, big and telling of what kind of season they're going to have. I think that they might need to add some extra, uh, uh, support on, on those teams too you know, be a for real contender for a playoff spot. But yeah, I think Padres and even Phillies, um, that's what's going to come down to. I, I feel like both teams are staring eye and eye at one another at it for a six seed. And I, it, it's going to be tough because I, I think that, you know, Arizona giants, even, even the Marlins, I think will take a step back, but a lot of these teams, you just get lost in this scramble and, and, and now you're starting to hope and pray that other teams take care of other teams. And then it, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of things that are out of your, out of your control. Um, I would say for, for some of these teams to make it, but uh, I mean, it all starts, I think with like a, like finishing out the first half on a, on a, on a healthy and strong note, and then taking that into the second half. But at least with some of these teams, maybe like the Phillies, I haven't, I haven't seen too much of them. I, th I think they've been playing some better baseball as of late. So maybe that can be kind of a motivation point for them to, you know, make some, uh, some big moves into the second half. They have to be a team as well. I think the Phillies have to be a team that have to make some moves at the deadline because again, they spent all that money. And if they don't make the playoffs, um, I mean, again, what, what, what a failure from what they did last year to, you know, transitioning to this year. And they're a team that, I mean, there there are so many teams, Alex, that I look at and say, man, if they could just get into the playoffs, that right, the, like the Angels, the future can be so bright. They have the talent. They have so many great playmakers. If you can just get in the playoffs and worry about these three and five game series, anything is possible. So um, Philly is one of those teams where it's just like, can you keep going along with this marathon? to get into these short-term little bracket-style tournaments. You did well last year. You know, I think they could do well again this year when it comes down to a three-game series or a five-game series. So, I mean, if Trey yeah. Turner does what he did in the baseball classic in the, <laughs> yes. in the, in the postseason, yep. I think his team will win no matter what team And he will on. be for, forgiven. Everything of, yeah. of, of this season will be forgiven on him. So, And, and I like what you said about um, a team like the Phillies things haven't been going great for them, but if they can just kind of finish up and, and get in, you know, Nola and Wheeler both don't have great ERAs, but I think they're both better than, better than what they've produced this year. There are guys who I could see having a good second half or mm -hmm. at least a good playoffs if they were to make it. So um, that's fun. Travis, the last single thing before we go, just thought of this on the spot. Quick question. What do you think is more likely the Dodgers or the Astros to miss the playoffs? Right now, the Dodgers hold the third wild card <clears throat> spot in the NL with Milwaukee two and a half back, Phillies three and a, three back, and in the American League, Houston is a half game out of the wild card, um, half a game behind Toronto, half a game ahead of the Angels. They've squared off this weekend. Dodgers got the best of them, but I think it was a pretty entertaining series. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about teams with playoff pedigree. Who's most likely to miss out? I don't know. Why I'm, I'm going to lean the Astros. Uh, if I had to pick one of those teams, I think the Astros, uh, Dodgers for, again, 
all the struggles that they've gone through, they they continue to keep on battling. They 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 took two of two at Angel Stadium and they took three of two um at Dodger Stadium. You know, I, I feel like they do very well against uh teams outside their division. I've seen so many times this year where they just cannot take care of their own division. I mean, we saw them get swept by the Giants. Arizona's played them very well this entire season. So uh I would say the Dodgers are my pick that they'd be more of a lock for the playoffs than the Astros. But um, yeah, I I don't know why. I just think that the Astros, they've dealt with a lot of injuries and I think they're just asking of a lot. They're asking a lot from a lot of, from some of these guys. And and maybe there is kind of a a hangover from the world series that they are, uh, you know, they might, they may encounter, but they, again, they have so many weapons I feel like, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I just feel like the, uh, the, the, the Dodgers are, are more suited for that in terms of, of 162 games. But who knows? I'd be wrong. I could see that too. I would probably lean them as well because I just trust the Dodgers a bit more than I trust anyone else to figure things out. Whenever a pitcher goes down, you know, Syndergaard proves that he can't really keep the job. They just call up some starting pitcher I've never heard of and he starts dealing. So uh, I have lots of faith in their ability to kind of make things work. Their superstar right fielder. Oh, we need a shortstop for a, a two weeks while our guys hurt. I can play shortstop. You know, they find a way to make it work uh, somehow, some way. Uh, continue to beat good teams regardless of a situation. So, I will probably lean Dodgers as well. Plus, I think it'll be easier for the Dodgers to kind of race with the Giants and the Marlins and the Phillies compared to and, and the Brewers compared to Astros trying to keep up with the Yankees. Um, and the Blue Jays, who are I think teams I think a bit more deeper than those NL wildcard teams. But um, Travis, I just thought of that and had to kind of um, bring it up. But that pretty much wraps up this episode, Travis. I think it's time for us to watch uh, the second part of this Angels game here um, against the White Sox. We have to kind of see how our team is looking after a bad series in Colorado. Do you remember 2021 uh Shohei's home run off Cease in that Sunday night baseball game. I did see that he homered. He homered today off Cease again, and Alex, it's it's even better. So oh yeah, look forward to showing you that highlight right now. I, I, I gotta I gotta check Twitter, guys. Uh, uh, to check this Shohei is out. now leading. Uh, if you're listening, which you aren't, uh, you'll be listening to this probably on Tuesday, 27th. But Shohei is now leading Major League Baseball with 26 home runs. So that's an update on the home run tracker. Hopefully he hits a couple more before the night is over. But if you made it this far, we thank you uh, so much for keeping up. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>